I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're going to be talking about Ed Sheeran's new album, Divide, and the Netflix series, Love. Anna has also watched the Terrence Malick film, Days of Heaven, for the first time, so she'll be telling us how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. So, in the Seriously world, there's been a big album release this week. And that's where we're beginning. Divide is the third album by British singer-songwriter Ed Sheeran, featuring the two lead singles Castle on the Hill and Shape of You. You've probably heard them if you've turned on the radio, like ever, in the past couple of months. Or just even walked past a main road where people have radios on in their cars. That's how I first experienced this. (laughs) So it's had a huge commercial reception, breaking the record for the most top 10 songs from a single album on the UK Singles Chart. It's had nine songs in the top 10 in a single week, but it's had mixed critical reactions. Friend of the podcast, Laura Snapes, wrote an excellent piece for Pitchfork all about this album, a long review. You just got to read it, really. (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely outstanding. It's everything you need to know about the album and what it says about Ed Sheeran's mind, really. Yeah, and it's a real evisceration of his nice guy brand as well. It's not just about the lyrics and the music, but it's also about this persona he's sort of built for himself, which when you're reviewing like a massive artist like Ed Sheeran is a big part of the package. So it is really relevant and it's a really, really great review. So we listened to Divide this week. It is an extremely Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran album. If you've had any contact with any of Ed Sheeran's songs, then just imagine that kind of doubled and that's what you get from this album, I'd say. Yeah, so the slightly, what I like to think of as like fake folk Mm. of Ed Sheeran is in full throttle in this album. Like there's lots of slightly underproduced sounding jangly guitar, yet also beats. And he also then has his like, solely slow things that he enjoys in that thinking yeah. out loud vein oh and uh he raps yeah the rapping's not good the rapping is the worst the the whole album opens mm. with him doing a rap so you're you you turn it on you're like whoa ed sheeran's doing rapping actually the rap intro to eraser is not the worst rap that he does on the whole album mm. there's one later on where it doesn't even scan like if you were to write it out you know just poem wise there's like one too many syllables and he's like slightly swallowing the syllable at the end of the line so even though his delivery is also quite poor like the actual scansion of the rap is also very poor do you remember when we were talking about scum which Mm -hmm. i'm so obsessed with i will bring up every week now we were talking about the boys in scum they go to a cabin and they're like dressed in plaid and they're like rapping eminem over Mm -hmm. over a guitar an acoustic guitar that someone's sort of playing with and that's ed sheeran yes yeah you're right (laughs) that's what happens when that boy becomes a multi-million dollar artist 
you get Ed Sheeran. So it's kind of cringe for me, a lot of this album. But I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy listening to it purely for the hilarity of some of the lyrics. Yeah, so we wanted to really review this album through its lyrical what would you even call it like through it's like lyrical fantasia (laughs) (laughs) because really everything you need to know about Ed Sheeran is summed up in a couple of his lyrics so like for instance the one from Eraser where he says I think that money is the root of all evil and fame is hell says famous rich person Ed Sheeran (laughs) so he's this is exactly the dichotomy that Laura brings out in her review that Ed Sheeran is a very 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 successful pop star who has built his success on the fact that he's like, oh, slightly scruffy, oh, slightly, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here, oh, I never went to university. Mm-hmm. Yet he has parlayed that into an incredible empire. Yeah, and it's more than that as well. It's He's he's very openly keen on commercial success. Mm. You know, when asked, would you, would you be upset if this album didn't sell more than the 15 million copies that Multiply sold? He was like, oh, it just will. I'm not worried about that. And like... He has said, you know, oh, I, I didn't want to release this album at the same time as Bruno Mars or Adele or someone else, but it's great because the schedule has, you know, he's really thinking about mm. all these very, very commercial minded things, but he still likes to sing about how people who think about money are awful and evil. And he's this like, you know, weird anti-capitalist angel. <laughs> so it's really, it is really funny. And I, I do want to say that I'm not down on Ed Sheeran because he's made a lot of money and is very successful and wants to try and explore the struggles that that can produce because Mm. that is legitimate like it's the fact that he has done it in such a compartmentalized way there's not a lot of nuance in i think money is the root yeah you know what i mean there's there are definitely there's definitely been some really great art where really successful people have explored the you know the loneliness that success can bring and the dark difficulties of fame in comparison to the like bright lights of the other side of it you Mm -hmm. know that has produced some amazing things this is not one of them though because this is just ed sheeran saying oh money is bad p.s give me all your money yeah it's a bit weird there are so many lyrics from this album that are my favorites that i really i just don't even know where to begin i wrote a piece for the new statesman website in the spirit of laura's review just picking out some of the lyrics that i thought were the funniest i find it hilarious that there is not one but two and possibly even three references to Van Morrison playing out of a jukebox on this album, (laughs) which is hilarious in Galway Girl and Dive. Galway Girl, we do have to mention because it is, I think, possibly the worst song on the planet. Oh, it's so deeply, deeply upsetting. The Galway Girl of the title as well. The way she's described is just, it's so stereotyped and so awful. (laughs) You know, she's like this freewheeling Irish girl and it goes, I never heard Carrick Fergus ever sung so sweet a cappella in the bar using her feet for a beat it's like oh she sings in a pub and the only accompaniment is her stamping because she's irish and that's what irish people do yeah and she like drinks him under the table and can hold her liquor and you're like oh and she can play pool yeah so i saw a real funny series of tweets by someone called amy o'connor where she was like what bar on grafton street there is no bar grafton (laughs) street why is this irish person using the word gaelic (laughs) everything is wrong I really like the song Save Myself, which is all about how Ed Sheeran is like this very, very generous person. In fact, as he describes, I gave you all my energy and I took away your pain because human beings are destined to radiate or drain. He's like, I, I, Ed Sheeran, am a radiator. I'm a giver, not a taker. (laughs) Exactly. And it also includes the line, I gave all my oxygen to people 
but could breathe. <laughs> so basically, stop asking Ed Sheeran for money. It really pisses him off. <laughs> That's the message of that song. Any favourites for you, Caroline? Yes, absolutely. New Man. Shocking. There's so many levels to New Man, I don't even know where to start. I hated pretty much all the songs on this on this album. <laughs> Galway Girl in particular for the reasons I've outlined. But I think maybe I've come full circle and I sort of like New Man now. <laughs> okay. Because as a kind of piece of satire. Some, <laughs> yeah. or, or I can kind of imagine listening to it in 15 years time and being like, yeah, that kind of was 2017. Yeah. Ed Sheeran releasing a song that said... You were the type of girl who sat beside the water reading, eating a packet of crisps, but you'll never find you cheating. Now you're eating kale, hitting the gym, keeping up with Kylie and Kim in the back of the club, kissing a boy that ain't him. So, <laughs> Because anyone who enjoys the antics of the Kardashians and wants to go to the gym must be an adulterer. Yeah, if you <laughs> it is true that if you watch Keeping Up With Kardashians, even for like a split second, you just uncontrollably start cheating on everyone. <laughs> That's science. Yeah. Something that just like women don't understand. Yeah, science. Yeah. It's amazing. And I found that there's other lyrics in that song about the man character. Yeah, uh, there's one in particular that I, I never need to read again, mm. ever, or hear again. Yeah, it's about personal hygiene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, that that's just underlines the hypocrisy because what, another thing that really annoys me about Ed Sheeran is that he has a very deliberate look. Mm-hmm that obviously he and his team spend time on like and money whether and it's money. on products or just like someone coming in and being like let's not put any stuff in his hair let's just like to slid around a little bit mm. that still costs money because you still have like a stylist on retainer or whatever yeah and even though it might look like it sometimes he doesn't just pick his plaid shirt up off the, his bedroom floor <laughs> and to go sniff it and go it's good for another day you know yeah he has many many wardrobes of them whatever but the new man character spends loads of time on his appearance the lyric goes i heard he spent 500 pounds on jeans goes to the gym at least six times a week wears boat shoes with no socks on his feet and i hear he's on a new diet and watches what he eats he's got his eyebrows plucked and his arsehole bleached <laughs> and that kind of gives you a sense of how much disdain ed sheeran has for people who take care of their appearance because he just he just looks like that it's yeah. just an accident what do you think though about the the characterization on this album because to just flip back to a much much better album it's something that people talked about so much with Beyonce's Lemonade right mm. is you know all of the songs on her album seem so personal and yet actually I think the more sophisticated and more accurate reading is that she's inhabiting different characters yeah for different songs in order to represent different points of view and reveal different emotions that is a, a sort of standard practice of art, particularly songwriting, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I cannot bring myself to use the words Beyonce and Ed Sheeran in the yeah, same sentence, I so I won't. But I think a, maybe a better point of comparison is Justin Bieber's Purpose, which I wrote a piece about when it came out a couple of years ago, because it for me, that album was either like the whinings of a very pathetic self-victimizing young man or an excellent caricature of how terrible young men can be. And it depends how you want to look at it. So yeah, maybe you could make a similar argument about Ed Sheeran's album where it's like the journey of some fucking idiot. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't I don't think he has bothered with that though. No, In this hasn't. case, he hasn't bothered to construct distinct characters for different songs. The whole thing is sort of in the voice of a slightly whiny man-child who is upset by his own success. Whether that is... A character or whether that is just ed <laughs> i think depends on whether you're a fan of his or not to be honest yeah so sorry to be mean about ed sheeran everyone not really sorry not, not that sorry and we're not that mean that often on seriously so it's a real joy for us to just you know 
whip out some genuinely annoyed opinions yeah. every once in a while. But I do think it is worth treating this album seriously, not least because so many people are spending money on it. Yeah, it's been absolutely massive and he is popular for a reason. And he obviously can write a really catchy melody and people do relate to his lyrics, even if when I hear them i feel like wow here's someone trying so hard to be relatable it's still working so yeah congrats ed sheeran you've got loads more money so enjoy that (laughs) i look forward to the songs about it (laughs) oh sorry i have one final question for you oh yeah you know it was unveiled that he's gonna have a cameo on game of thrones was it yes yesterday i missed that uh what are your thoughts about this no Um, i just told you maybe he could be tortured and it'd be satisfying i don't know like it's just a show so (laughs) it wouldn't be any real pain on ed sheeran i mean he looks like he kind of belongs to that quite grotty, mossy world. <laughs> I can see it. Wow, looking forward to that. When I was six years old, I broke my leg. I was running from my brother and his friends. Tasted a sweet perfume of the mountain grass I rolled down. I was younger then Take me back to when I found my heart Broke it here, made friends and lost And through the years And I've not seen the roaring fields in so long I know I've grown Now we're going to talk about Love, which is a Netflix romantic comedy series created by Judd Apatow, Leslie Arfin and Paul Rust. It stars Rust and Gillian Jacobs as Gus and Mickey, two 30-somethings in LA who struggle with dating and relationships. The second series has just launched, but you can listen back to our discussion of the first one on episode 22 back from February last year. Yeah, so another recurring topic mm. on Seriously. I sort of forgot about Love, I Me have too. to say. It kind of faded into the background of my mind, but... We decided we'd do it this week. The last season kind of ended with a big romantic kiss, right? Mm-hmm. And then they immediately start working to undo that in the first episode of the second series. Yeah, so I was reading a piece on Salon, actually, that gave actually a very, a very positive review to this second series. But it did quite a good job of summarising what Apatow and co said they were trying to achieve with love originally which is they wanted to do the reverse of how i met your mother Mm. so they wanted to do a romantic comedy show in which the two protagonists wouldn't end up together Mm. and you were sort of watching their journey towards that rather than their journey towards being together and so that is what they did with the break between series one and two where mickey who has been struggling with different kinds of addiction and has finally come to the realization that she can't be in this on again, off again, will they, won't they thing with Gus. She just has to say, nope, I'm not doing relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm focusing on me. She goes to tell him this. She tells him this. And then two seconds later, they make out. Mm -hmm. And then the series ends and you're like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, what's happening here? And they pick up in exactly the same spot. Mm-hmm. Which in my nerdy brain, because Gus is a character who likes to talk about like 
continuity errors in rom-coms and sitcoms and he's always you know like oh if ross in friends has seen die hard then how come bruce willis appears later i was like when is this set now because a year has passed but also no time has passed Mm. in the love world so are we set like a year back (laughs) or not and i like couldn't tell but yes so they pick up in media res like from almost exactly where they left off and then they spend a few days trying to be friends and not make out right Yes, they do. I actually really enjoyed the first episode of the second series. I felt like it was very cleverly written and constructed where, you know, they have this kiss, they have this this moment where she's like, no, we're just being friends. I'm not doing this. And obviously the natural thing for the characters to do then, the healthy thing for them to do is to part, not see each other for a while, mm-hmm. maybe text a bit. But circumstances keep intervening to keep them together yeah you know um as as is required by all rom-coms yes exactly so you know he needs a lift back to his house then when they get to his house she really needs the loo so he's like oh we'll just pop him really quickly and use the loo then while she's in there a sort of police raid happens like some fugitive has run onto the grounds of his apartment complex and you know everyone has to stay inside they try and escape because she's so determined like not to end up staying over with him that all goes really wrong and inevitably they end up sleeping in the same bed although nothing Nothing happens happens. but it just gives the writers endless grounds for like awkward moments where he sees her wearing a towel you know that kind of thing yeah exactly and I felt like it was very cleverly constructed I was less convinced actually I watched I think I watched three episodes in the Mm -hmm. new series before we did this and I was less convinced by where it went after that actually yeah, I one thing I do like about this show is that they are very happy to spend lots of time with the protagonists apart. Mm. And I like that you get to see a lot of their lives when they're not together. So you get to see Mickey struggling to cope at a dinner party full of slightly older seeming, maybe they're not actually older couples. And you see Gus at a bar and finding it all very uncomfortable, the like schmoozing with girls. You get a much bigger sense of why they might act in a certain way when they are together then. Mm. And I think that is one of the strengths of like TV rom-coms over over movie rom-coms is that because with all this extra time, you do get to explore character in a lot more depth. And so even if I'm not like really super convinced by Mickey and Gus as a couple, I do buy them totally as characters, which is really, like, important when you're watching something. Yeah, I also really, really like Gillian Jacobs. Yeah, this. me too. I think she is excellent. I'm less bothered by Paul Rust. Yeah, me too. I think too. it's partly because he's playing quite an unlikable character. Yeah. But Mickey is unlikable too in her way, but I just, I don't know, I think Gillian Jacobs is excellent. For anyone who made it through the saga that was Community, she played <laughs> Britta in Community for all six seasons in a movie and uh she's really like gone up several levels since then like, she's really excellent in this yeah i agree and i also agree that i'm like kind of less i think that's for me why the coupledom doesn't work as well as i just love seeing julian jacobs like trying to navigate her life mm. and i don't necessarily buy them that much as a couple partly because i know i know we talked about this last time so i won't try and go back into it again but partly because we've got another one of these things where it's like supermodel hot woman with like not supermodel hot at all guy and like that's not a problem in and of itself but but just because we see so much of it it does get a bit annoying it's like women aren't allowed to be anything less than super attractive in rom-coms but men can just look like whatever and we love mm. their personalities and it's fine that feeds into something else i've seen in various uh, critics responses to the second series which is Judd Apatow has said several times that his vision with love was to subvert the wrong rom-com 
but several people pointed out were like, Joe Avatar, you own the rom-com now. Yeah. Like, yours is... And it was is... never a subversion because no. rom-coms, I, again, I wrote this piece when series one came on, so I won't go into it too much again, but rom-coms are about unlikable characters who have to routinely embarrass themselves because that's where the com in the rom mm. comes from. Like, And so that's what this show is. It's two people who are like embarrassing themselves quite a lot and cringing about it, mm. but they like each other ultimately. There is a certain relaxed stoner quality to it though, mm. which again is the Apatow influence. Mm-hmm. You know, something like Knocked Up has that too. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and I, I think I said this at some point on the podcast, that I did watch all of series one, mm. despite not being massively in love with it despite all the times that i say on seriously that oh i absolutely love this show but i never got to continue with it because we had to move on to the next thing Mm. i made time for series one of love it is easy to watch definitely that's what i was gonna say it's so easy it just flows on in the background and it feels it gives me the same like slightly mindless pop culture feeling that i used to get from watching endless repeats of friends on e4 yeah it's I, there's something of the broad city like it's so different to broad city and i laugh so much more watching mm. broad city but there are just like little quirks about it that again give me that feeling of when i was really binging on broad city and just watching one episode after another like the kind of dynamic typographic title card with the little snippet of familiar mm. music like that for me really brings me in again and again and i don't i want to do something on title cards because i do think it's weird how you know things with like an, a cartoon theme song like crazy ex-girlfriend can make you watch the next episode because yeah, yeah. you want to watch the theme tune almost um so i definitely get that sense from it as well but um i also started wearing getting out my leather skirt <laughs> after seeing Julian <laughs> jacobs in her leather skirt it's a hot skirt yeah yeah she wears it for is it the whole of episode one of this ep- of this season of this yeah, series, yeah, yeah yeah and all of the finale of last season yeah. she's like running around in a big gray jumper and a leather skirt black socks and adidas sliders <laughs> i can't quite pull off the socks and sliders but i've de- definitely brought out the leather skirt in the last few days so thanks jillian for yeah. that it's a it's a very strange one this i find it hard to sort of unequivocally recommend it mm, unless you need that slightly brainless pop culture fix in which case it's kind of perfect for that yeah agreed So last week, I recommended that Anna give Terence Malick's Days of Heaven a go. Anna, how was it? It was an amazingly relaxing watch, I thought, even though the plot isn't always that relaxing. It's just so beautifully shot. I feel like the whole thing was filmed at that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hour just before sunset, mm, yes. <laughs> where everything looks amazing and it's just gorgeous. I did really enjoy it. I was kind of, like, in two minds about watching it because... Terence Malick has such a reputation as being this like singular filmmaker, like very contemplative and whatever. And I've read Richard Iowadi's Iowadi on Iowadi, I think it's called, which is kind of like a spoof of those director on director Faber series mm. books. And in it, he has all these things like written by Terence Malick that I like never really got because I'd never seen any Terence Malick films. They are really funny and I would recommend them, but it made me a bit nervous about like, oh God, is this going to be too artsy for me basically? And I'm am I going to a lot of it going to be lost on me but I think that it was actually very very accessible surprisingly so much so I it was the same like my boyfriend really wanted to see this film because he's an academic it's set in the period that he works on oh, right. and so he wanted to see it for that reason but mm. I, I was kind of moaning I was like I don't want to go to the BFI on a Friday night yeah. to see a Ponzi film <laughs> um, but obviously I did and 
I thought it was incredible. Yeah. It has a really accessible, simple storyline, mm-hmm. very human, mm-hmm. um, you know, about these poor people from sort of industrialized Chicago in the early 20th century. They go south in America looking for work and to get away from a possible crime that Richard Gere's character has committed. And they end up in the panhandle of Texas working in the cornfields. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, most of my love of this film is to do with the way Terence Malick films corn. Yes, exactly. It's like funny because it's so much about the visuals mm. and so much about the surface level stuff. And it did get me wondering, I did a little bit of research, not loads, but and I, I found a lot of critics describing Terence Malick as like a visual poet mm. and phrases and stuff that I don't begrudge. But I wonder why you don't often see someone like Sofia Coppola called a visual poet you get you you get them you hear them called things like surface over substance Mm. and i do wonder if there's like a bit of gender stuff at play there with how we respond to women directors who are very interested in visuals and aesthetic and male directors who are because i feel like with male directors there's automatically something more serious about it and i think of someone like carol morley who i love who's very very into how the aesthetic of the landscape plays into the story itself and yet you do see people really dismissing her as just like a stupid filmmaker Mm. (laughs) some thoughts that are not Terence Malick's fault at all but just things I was thinking whilst watching it he made this in 1978 I think it was maybe the first or second film that he made out of film school Mm -hmm. Uh, so so he was Badlands yeah so he was pretty young and you know quite new and everything so I think he just really really wanted it to look beautiful but there are some really interesting plot themes there as well you know I won't go too much into it but there's a strong like biblical sin imagery Mm -hmm. thing going on Mm -hmm. there's an absolutely incredible plague of locusts yeah yeah amazing and also some interesting stuff about isolation and family yeah it's just a it's a really really interesting film and you can I mean I think I first watched it like a month ago now and I'm mm-hmm. still occasionally like having thoughts about it and unpacking it in my head so it's a very very like dense experience yeah a definite recommend from us mm. also short can I just say yes, appre- 90 minutes appreciate Terence Malick making what is quite an artsy epic film in an hour and a half yeah respect that's the ideal mm. film for me <laughs> so for next week Caroline yes We had a couple of emails, including one from just last week, recommending the HBO show The Night Of. And it stars Riz Ahmed and John Totoro. And it's basically a crime show, I would say almost in the vein of serial, about like, okay, okay, who who actually did this crime and who's going to go down for it. Riz Ahmed is great in it. I've been watching it over the last four or five weeks or something. I think you'll really like it. And I definitely think there'll be interesting things for us to talk about regardless. So do give it a watch. Sounds great. Always up for a new crime drama. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you could also leave us a review. Our listener survey is still open for one last week. If you'd like to tell us what you think of the show and influence what we do in future, head to seriouslypod.com slash survey and have your say. Also on seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes, plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually and Friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're seriouslypod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we 
should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast Thank you.